For the News and Observer, I'm Don Vaughn, Capitol Bureau Chief and host of Under the Dome. Uh, you're listening to this episode for the week of September 11th, 2023. I'm here today with my politics team colleagues, Luciana Perez, Uribe Ginasi, and Avi Bajpai. Uh, like I was saying, this is the, um, if you're listening to this on Monday, it's September 11th, which is hard to believe it's been 22 years uh, since the September 11th. And of course, there's been lasting effects um, on our country and the world and New York and the Pentagon and Northern Virginia and, and everything else, too. So um, those that are having a hard day today, um, let us know. Um, we should let you know that um, we haven't forgotten either. So that aside, the other day, September 11th, and local government actually has to do with a budget of your from 2019. It was the day that the House successfully overrode uh, Cooper's veto of the budget bill The Senate never did. They never called the vote. It was a big, long fall of, is the Senate going to override too? But they didn't have the numbers. They didn't have the supermajority. Now they have a supermajority. So that means they passed the budget in June, right? Isn't that what happened? Sorry. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Almost mid-September. Right. It did not. And we're, of course, recording this a few days before you're listening to it. So things could have changed. But tentatively, knock on wood, not to jinx it, it looks like this week that you're listening is probably, hopefully, finally, when we will actually see the state budget documents out, voted on, debated, all within a big flurry of a few days, which is is what they do. Um, so a lot of there are a lot of different factors at play of what's in the budget. One of the biggest things that was part of that 2019 big stalemate with Cooper is Medicaid expansion because at the time Democrats and uh, Democratic Governor Roy Cooper was you know very uh, pro Medicaid expansion had been for a long time Republicans opposed it for a long time all that's changed over the years um, then the final holdup on it was the House Republicans wanting to agree to it um, or wanting to agree with how the Senate wanted to pass it which included. Um, certificate of need reform and everything else. So that all happened. Cooper signed Medicaid expansion into law March 27th of this year, but there's still no Medicaid expansion because all roads lead to and from the budget and it is tied to passage of the state budget, which has not happened yet. So Medicaid expansion itself and what that means, Luciana, you've been doing a lot of work lately on the actual people this impacts that are you know, maybe never even set foot in the General Assembly. And tell us about your most recent story. You um, talked to a woman who doesn't live in the Triangle, I think, right? And and what Medicaid expansion, how it's potentially could impact her life once this goes forward. Yeah, so her name is Deanna and she lives in Salisbury. And she um, is kind of following the budget stuff because it's hinging on her getting coverage or um, whether that's Medicaid or she's also applied for disability. And those have been um, hung up for months as well. So she has uh, multiple myeloma, which is a rare uh, cancer of the blood. And she needs a stem cell transfer. So she needs to get her own stem cells, um, you know, uh, removed so they can then be transferred over healthier and help her extend her life. So she says that her doctor has told her she has about three years to live, um, two, three years. And with a stem cell transfer, that could be extended 10 or more years. So it is a significant time frame. Um, And basically, it's the ideal time for her to get that stem cell transfer right now because her stem cells are relatively healthy despite the chemotherapy. 
So um, uh, long story short, she's just been struggling for months to get some sort of coverage to be able to get that transfer. And um, she still has no idea when that budget may pass, when she will get coverage, and when she'll be able to just take the next steps in her treatment plan. So for a lot of people, the delay, while many people might not have had coverage for years, this delay is still significant because it doesn't allow them to plan for the future or um, to really take next steps in, in what they need to do to get their health care. Did she talk at all about how, um, I mean, not everybody knows what those of us in the political world know, and of course anyone that works in healthcare knows exactly what Medicaid expansion is um, and what that means, but a lot of people don't necessarily know. They might just think it's different versions of healthcare. Was she aware that the state was going to potentially expand Medicaid and that a transplant treatment was you know, more of a um, funding option than the charity care at some point because of this? Does she pay attention to you know, the political aspect of government at all, or? Yeah, so she's actually pretty well informed. Um, one, even just getting charity care requires a lot of effort. You have to apply. You have to reapply every three months. It's like a whole process. You have to get doctor sign off, et cetera. So she's aware of that. And then in terms of Medicaid, Medicaid is a federal state health insurance program for low income individuals. And that covers right now in North Carolina, 41% for people with children or qualifying um, situations like disabilities, pregnancy, et cetera. Um, and then expansion is basically the federal government said states that want to can expand their coverage so that people 138% of the federal poverty, poverty level can get coverage. And that is um, basically anyone making under $20,000, at least for North Carolina levels. Um, and currently, 41% is, uh, for a family of three, would be $8,000. So that's what you would um, need to make under to qualify right now in North Carolina if you have kids. Um, but yeah, she's pretty informed about these things, and she has kind of been her own advocate um, in getting the care that she needs. So in August, we wrote about how, you know, DHHS said, you know, basically y'all need to get this budget done by September 1st so we can start, um, you know, getting Medicaid expansion rolling in October. And that seemed to be what was going to come to pass the way that, that uh, Senate Leader Phil Berger and House Speaker Tim Moore talked is that they wanted things to move forward, but no, they're not going to separate it from the budget, which mm -hmm. is what DHHS uh, Secretary Kinsley asked for, which Democrats asked for, which the governor asked for over and over again. Yeah. Right. And Cooper's gone on these kind of tours of the state where he's pushing for this. And this past week, it's been more the education focus. And before his Medicaid expansion, he did another one with with teachers sort of like a, still waiting on that budget, you know. Um, of course, Cooper was part of the delay um, and a lot of standoffs years past, but mm -hmm. this time it's the, um, well, a little bit of like the, you know, not maybe not wanting to give a political win with Medicaid expansion being separate, but also it is, does have to do with money and that's why they wanted to yeah. tie it to the, mm -hmm. tie it to the budget. So um, I wrote about this uh this kind of House versus Senate uh, reason for the delay this past week and just trying to get get a, a clear way to explain to to our News and Observer readers, to, um, if you haven't read the story, to our podcast listeners about 
why, if you're all the same political party, can't you just get the budget out? And it's just because you're the same political party doesn't mean you agree how money should be spent and how much raises should be and how much taxes should be and if Medicaid expansion should be tied to it or not and everything else. Um, so anyway, it looks like maybe now this is uh, this it's is coming. the I know, like you said, knock on wood. This is this is the week, <laughs> and we'll see. Closer and closer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you looked a bit at kind of what was holding it back um, just recently in an article. So what are some of the like big things you think are currently pausing it? From what I understood, like the biggest delay that they were that Berger and Moore and the and the top budget writers were were negotiating was the the total tax package. So tax cuts are already happening. It's just the matter of how quickly they're happening. And if the sooner you implement tax cuts, you need to make sure that you're not um, hurting the state's ability to pay its bills, essentially. So there's surplus money, there's billions in surplus, but that's also one-time money. So in the past, that's been used for things like like bonuses, um, sometimes they've just put money and the SCIF, which is my favorite acronym um, and, and legislative acronymity, um, the State Capital Infrastructure Fund, it's just fun to say. And then there's the Rainy Day Fund, which I can't remember what the real acronym is for that. Um, so savings, and the Senate likes to have things, likes to save money and cut taxes. And the House, much more like open ears and the Senate has realized that an almost 25% vacancy rate among state employees, um, issues with, with teacher-based pay, which is set by the legislature, even though they're, they're technically not state employees, bus drivers, um, which is a, a statewide national problem. You need to give people money. We've had people on here um, on the podcast over the month saying that it comes down to the money. Democratic agency leaders, give them the money. Republican agency leaders, give them the money. And that's probably the biggest thing we're waiting for on a, on a numbers, Medicaid expansion is numbers, but of course also policy. Um, and that's that's one of the big, the big holdups. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back, we're gonna talk more, um, especially, and, and Avi's been covering this a lot lately, about casinos and how budget negotiations have taken so long that they figured out the taxes and the raises and they still haven't done anything yet. So let's talk about casinos and throw that in and make the budget <laughs> process drag out even longer because that's what they like to do. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm Capitol Bureau Chief Don Vaughn here with politics reporters Avi Bajpai and Luciana Perez-Rubekinasi. Before the break, we were talking about the budget and the delay this year, even though it's all Republicans deciding, but it's House versus Senate, which is kind of a perennial issue as long as I've covered the legislature anyway. Uh, because it took so long, something else they started talking about recently um, is now part of the negotiations and could be part of the dragging it out within a matter of days, I guess. If y'all are listening to this and casinos are not in the budget, then the budget is probably coming out Monday, Tuesday morning. If they are in the budget, it could mean that it's delayed a little bit um, just because of having to sort out the numbers with the documents. And, and it says out. a lot that there's uncertainty up until like a couple of days before the budget comes out. That's yes, that's significant. So what do you, uh, it's funny this week, um, Luciana gone to ABC committee where they're talking about expanding alcohol laws. <laughs> And then now ex expanding gambling. Yeah. So this week, <laughs> uh, you know, 
uh, there is a wing of Republicans who are conservative on issues like uh, alcohol yeah, and gambling, yeah. but uh, apparently not as much as uh, the majority, I guess. I mean, we're seeing some of that, right, where it's there's hesitation by some of the casinos, but other Republicans are like, yeah, sure, let's expand different types of gambling. Yeah, I guess people fall into different camps. Um, you know, I guess everyone, you could divide the caucus, uh, House and Senate caucuses into different camps of how strongly people believe, um, you know, have an opinion on this one way or another. <clears throat> but this is something that has kind of, you know, it's been looming over the budget negotiation process and it's just sort of been looming over the legislature this whole summer, um, basically since end of May, June. Um, you didn't really hear too much about this at the start of the session and then uh, legislature um, legalized sports wagering. Governor Cooper signed that into law. And then was, as soon as... I was going to say it was like right around that, right? Yeah, like as, soon as, as, soon as, as soon as that happened... Um, you started to hear murmurs of, you know, uh, well, uh, first it was video lottery terminals. There's tens of thousands of these video gaming machines, video lottery terminals, uh, fish games, basically all over the state. It's been something that state officials have been trying to crack down on for decades, for 20 plus years. Um, but there's always been a sort of a contingent of lawmakers and, and lobbyists, obviously, who um, have argued, you know, um, uh, people, there's the, the demand is there. People are going to seek these um, forms of gambling, forms of entertainment out. So why not just legalize it, regulate it, get some get some tax dollars from it? It's a little bit different though, where you're sports betting on your phone, and you know you're doing that um, without paying taxes versus building a huge casino and and everything that 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 brings to oh, yeah. a community. That right? Yeah, I mean casinos. That's that's a whole other ball game. That's a that's a huge sort of um, decision by lawmakers to make, to allocate money to, to that, to approve it. Right now, casinos are only on tribal lands in North Carolina. Um, so basically, you have this proposal, sort of like, um, sort of hints of a proposal uh, come out over the summer that, you know, the Republicans have an appetite to um, build up to four casinos, four new casinos in the state. Um, and... Uh, I mean, you're talking about, they mentioned entertainment districts, you're talking about full-fledged, uh, you know, casinos with hotels and um, other commercial development, retail. Um, so really trying to um, invest, uh, plug in a lot of money into different uh, rural counties um, across the state. Um, obviously, you know, we talked to Leader Burger, Speaker Moore, they uh, have constantly mentioned uh, this concern about uh, Caesar's Casino opening uh, across the state line in Danville, which is where Burger's from, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and it's it's just right above uh, Rockingham County, where you know where he's from. So, um, you know, you sort of get this pitch from the leadership throughout the summer that uh, look, we're going to lose out. You're going to have North Carolinians drive an hour, two hours, three hours to Danville. Um, mm -hmm. If if that's going to happen, why not just sort of you know, we should retain that revenue, that tax dollars, it should be invested in our communities. But there is some pretty um, sizable opposition. Who are the who are the conservatives that are opposed it? A lot of it, I think, uh, a fair amount of it sort of comes down to ideological lines, sort of the further uh, conservative you go, the further right you go. Uh, people who are in the Freedom Caucus, um, you know, some of these lawmakers have openly 
um, have been vocal in their opposition. People who are also pastors, for example, they have some strong convictions about, you know, um, they don't believe that the state should be financing or be involved in this at all. And if they thought, you know, sports betting on your phone was a problem, well, they're going to be a lot less likely to say yeah. like a, a whole casino, which it turns out casinos aren't actually like Ocean's Eleven. Movies lied to yeah. me. It's, you know, yeah. not exactly that vibe of everybody's happy and Texas. I mean, Ocean's Eleven's about a robbery, but you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think they want uh, yeah, robbery, yeah. that scenario. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you see significant opposition this this past week alone. You have people from Phil Burgers, home county, Rockham County, several people, local residents, come to the legislature, do a press conference in front of the legislature, and just basically say, like, this is, uh, you know, they, they don't know what to make of this. They're suspicious of it. That's kind um, of unusual, right? You usually don't see people from somebody's district coming well, not, to... Yeah, not only local residents, but you have Rockingham County Sheriff Sam Page uh, being a vocal sort of opponent of this, um, coming down to the legislature, uh, former Congressman Mark Walker, who's running for governor, He's sort of, um, you know, joined this fight as well. So there is a political angle to this, too, in terms of uh, political camps. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're we're days away potentially from the budget being released and no one really knows outside of uh, the secret closed door meetings. Yeah. No so much really transparency. No yeah. one really knows what's we'll going to happen. <laughs> and talk about transparency. I mean, it's not every day you see, uh, you know, CPAC, the Conservative Political Action uh, Conference, and Donald Trump Jr., um, take to Twitter and basically uh, no holds barred say like uh, kind of like denounce this and say you know um, is it this looks like shady backroom deals and where's the transparency what's going on um, don't you Republicans think, aren't supposed to be doing this kind of stuff don't so. you think a Republican maybe asked them to do that somebody who wants the criticism yeah, though, maybe, you know? maybe we'll, we'll find yeah. out I think um, yeah. in the days to come but it is it is interesting that um, they're getting so close to the finish line mm -hmm. and as they get there the opposition is not sort of just quietly um, retreating. It's, it's actually getting louder. I mean, so. my bingo card for like the last thing in the budget was not gambling yeah. and casinos, <laughs> you know, so that's no. not what. Um, all right. Uh, let's move on to our picks for headliner of the week. Uh, Luciana, who or what is your headliner of the week? So if you happen to have heard some noise in the background of this podcast, it's because the Hopscotch Festival is doing some, you know, practice prior to the show tonight. And we have it right across the street. So maybe I will um, try to wiggle my way in there later today. <laughs> <laughs> we have a um, pretty good view from uh, from Fayetteville from Street office, yeah. of, things going, of things going on downtown. So um my headliner is about the other end of downtown, about six blocks away from, from the newsroom, the legislative building cafeteria. Um, there's a new drink in the cafeteria this week, I noticed, in the machine. It's Starry. I only drink um, diet soda, so I didn't try it, because they didn't have Starry Zero. Hmm. But it's sort of like a Sierra Mist type of thing. But the biggest thing I thought... So you have tried it then? I've had, like, the diet Starry. Actually, so. it was a downtown something in the past six months downtown when Starry first came on the market and they were giving samples and mm. it's fine. It's no, yes, those of you who are in NC Paul are waiting to hear it. It's no diet sun drop. <laughs> so um, it's fine. It's switching it up. I don't know what it replaced, honestly. You're making me um, really want to try it. So you should. <laughs> I mean, the cafeteria is bipartisan in soda. One side is Coke products and one side is Pepsi products. So 
I guess, um, stories market uh, infiltration. Someone on Twitter uh, mentioned that, you know, where's uh, Representative Jason Sane, who is a big Sundrop fan, as of course as the governor is too. And uh, I don't think he has control over it. That would be probably a a Paul Coble question on on soda or the cafeteria. um, I'm an Ica Cola fan. That was the one from Peru. That's a soda from Peru. Oh, okay. So I'll bring it to the newsroom one day. Okay, all right. (laughs) Avi, who or what's your headliner in this week? I'm just going to keep it simple. Uh, For me, it's been uh, a couple of really, really hot weeks. Um, Really humid, too. So I'm just looking at, I'm just refreshing my weather app on my phone and just hoping (laughs) and praying that we get to a couple of cooler weeks and and that summer is... uh, in the rear view. Well, we had false fall, aren't we? In second summer now, yeah. Like, the... but I'm. Yeah. My understanding is that's like a week or two weeks. Yeah. So I'm hoping you know mm. that we get rain on the weekend. Of course, the budget will become law. The leaves will all fall. <laughs> It'll be pumpkin festival time. Yeah. Like that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I had my first pumpkin coffee today. Okay. I'd never tried any before, so there you go. What was what was the verdict? <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm not a fan yet <laughs> all right uh i'm don vaughn for avi bajpai luciana perez um and everyone at the nno thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time for more from our politics team subscribe to the news and observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com newsletters. Thanks for listening.